Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my special guest today is Kelly Kerrigan. Kelly, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Yes, thanks for having me, Kevin. All the way north of the border, yeah? Mm-hmm, north of the border. <laughs> <laughs> so tell our Rising Tide fans a little bit about Kelly Kerrigan. Um, all right, well, yeah, my name is Kelly Kerrigan. I have a business called Empower Me Coaching. I live in Belleville, Ontario, up here north of the border in Canada. Um, I've been, um, you know, I've been doing life coaching since 2014 and really honed in on my message, I would say about two years ago. So, I'm a mom. You are a mom, yeah, a little more yeah. personal side of things, building <laughs> yeah. personal side for us. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a mom. I have two children. I have, like I say, a man child. He's going on 22 years old and I have a daughter that's 11 and uh, yeah, just enjoying life. Um, I'm a real positive person. I score real high in optimism and uh, yeah, I just, I just love what I do. So take us back a little bit. So what was the transition into the, the coaching space? I mean, how did you, I mean, people just don't wake up one day. I'm a, I'm a coach. So what was the transition there? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting story. So back, oh gosh, about seven or eight years ago. So I don't even know what year that is. Not that good at math. <laughs> um, I just found like I just found my relationships, whether it was like friendships, uh, you know, intimate relationships, or even like with my family. I just felt like I was living a victim life. Now I. Didn't, I didn't say, oh, I'm a victim. I was, I was living in victim mode because that wasn't my language back then. But I just felt like I don't understand why people treat me the way they do. It's like I'm a nice person. I would do anything and everything for anyone. Why do I always get like the crappy end of the stick? And I was just, just frustrated. Um, you know, I seem to attract um, you know, relationships that were manipulative or that were controlling. And I'm just like, oh, and I just wanted them to go away. Mm. <laughs> but I didn't know how to communicate or tell them to go away because I'm a nice person. And I needed to learn some assertiveness skills, how to speak up for myself, but still be true to me because I am a nice person. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, become become someone else sure so that was my whole transition and I I was um, doing a boot camp so like a you know fitness thing and there was a young guy there and I say young guy like younger than me and I had heard that he's a life coach I mean this was a new term for me at that point and I asked him after the boot camp session I said you know how do I motivate someone else to change because at that point in time in my life I felt that I'm not the problem. Everyone else is the problem, right? So how do I motivate someone else to change? And his answer to me was, and he challenged my perspective. His answer to me was, you have to be the change that you want to see in that person. So I'm like, I don't really know what that meant at the time. But I'm like, this is really interesting and I want to know more about that. So then that's how I got involved in coaching is I became a client first. Um, and then once I got involved in coaching, I was just like digging and digging and digging for information. And I was just, I was just hooked. So did you start with a coach to, to get your, I mean, I don't know what kind of certifications you might have or whatever. So what was mm -hmm. the, what was the pathway? Did you go out and say, look, I've got to have a coach first to kind of walk me through the process and then I can learn how to do this 
you know, as a, a mentorship or whatever? What was the what was the pathway? Yeah. So at that point, it was just really about my own personal development. I just needed, I just wanted to feel better about myself. I wanted to have, you know, better relationships. I wanted to have more opportunities. And um, what this gentleman was saying to me, I was like interested. So at that point in time, no, I had no idea that I wanted to become a coach, mm -hmm. but I got so invested in it. I was just like reading everything, watching everything, learning everything. And I was just like obsessed with it that, um, you know, um, I, okay. Yeah. Here's another transition as well that I just came to my mind is that a big mental transition for me was because I always thought my sensitivity, my kindness, my, uh, my sensitivity was my weakness because society has conditioned me or had in the past conditioned me to believe that my sensitivity was a weakness. Mm -hmm. But the tr biggest transition was I would go get my nails done, my hair done. I'd go to gatherings and people would share vulnerable information with me. I didn't ask them to. And then they would say stuff like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe I just shared that with you. <laughs> I've never told anybody that I can't. Why did I just say that? So there was some sort of level of comfort that people um, felt with me. And then when I started to notice those things happening, that's when I realized oh, my perceived weakness is actually my greatest strength. Mm. So that's the transition to, for me to realize that, hey, I could really have an impact on others. And then that's when I decided to go ahead and pursue uh, my life coaching certification. I love that. Let's, let's camp on that just for a second. So uh, I wrote down, my, my perceived weakness is actually my greatest strength. So mm -hmm. how, unpack that one for me a little bit. So, you know, you've, you've heard the adage, nice guys finish last, you know, don't be a lap dog, you know, don't get, let people walk all over you, that type of thing. So how did, how did that, that manifest itself out in, in, you know, in pragmatic way, the, where your, your, you know, what you perceive was your greatest weakness actually became your, one of your strengths or maybe your greatest strength. Hmm. Let me see where to start with that question. I mean, that's a, that's a tough question. I know I just kind of threw that one at, at you out of left field, but it just, <laughs> it was just such a profound statement to make that I, you know, how did, you know, let's, let's camp on that just for a second, because I think that's really going to, to somebody that's going to listen to this. That's going to mean, mean a lot to them. Right. And um, this is, you know, primarily who I work with now is people like myself. Um, now, our world is changing, as we all know, and um, you know emotional intelligence is on the rise. Yeah. Uh, so there's more awareness about emotional intelligence now. Myself, and I know there's many uh, people out there just like me who have told, "Oh, you're too sensitive. You can't take a joke. What's wrong with you? Um, you know, what are you crying for now? Oh, that's no big deal." And being a sensitive soul to me means that because I have a big heart, right? So when I refer to somebody as a sensitive soul is they have uh, a big, big heart, mm -hmm. lots of love to give a patient person, heart centered, empath, um, yeah. empath like yeah. really, really bothered by, you know, cruelty and hate. And, you know, they're really wired. And I say that about myself, really wired for connection. Mm hmm. 
Now, a lot of the business world is very ego driven. It's, you know, let's, let's just go. There's no time for emotion. Like, let's just get it done. So, and like I said, the world is changing, but in my time growing up, that the world conditioned me to believe that my sensitivity is a weakness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people would point out, oh, you know, she's so, let's make her, you know, as a kid, right? Oh, let's make her cry. She, you know, she cries easily or, you know, so then it became, then it really played on my self-worth, my self-esteem. Yeah. And I was just tired of that. Like I remember watching, you know, really moving uh, things on TV or you know, seeing something really moving that really moved me right, right to the heart. And, you know, my eyes would fill up and I'd be embarrassed because I was having that emotional charge from something very beautiful that I just watched, right? But that's what makes us human is mm-hmm. our heart and our mm-hmm. empathy. Yeah. Um, so I was just tired of feeling like that. And... Um, you know, so for me, learning assertiveness skills is that I can communicate my wants and needs and still respect the other person sure. and not get walked on. Right. 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 And not be a doormat or a lap dog or whatever, right. yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. However society may, you know, historically define that or whatever or yeah. categorize that. But so you and I are going to step on an elevator. We're going to go up 10 floors. You got about a minute and you're, you're kind of giving me your elevator pitch of your, of your business services. So kind of describe maybe your ideal client and, and kind of give me your sales pitch here. Yeah. Um, so I mean, my, my, my sales pitch is that, you know, I, I help with sensitive souls to establish healthy boundaries and communicate from a place of love. Mm. Really. That's what I do. I work with people just like myself to build self-esteem because I really believe that now more than ever, the world needs more hearts and the world needs people, empaths, sensitive souls, people to step up and take the lead because our world needs more heart right now. I, you sold me. I don't matter really how much it is. I'm just going to sign up because I, <laughs> I could not agree with you more. And, and you know, as when I became a grandfather, I, I cry at commercials now so I can, I can, you know, just admit that freely that that I, I do cry during some commercials because they are so moving. But mm-hmm. just the whole idea of of uh, you know it's it's really an interesting juxtaposition between the the business world, like you said, is you know is very much ego driven, is very much pride driven, is very much you know success and accomplishment driven. But you know with the with the intersection of like the millennials coming into the workplace. It's a complete different ball game today. Mm-hmm. Um, how you know CEOs have to handle, how managers have to handle employees and things like that. Do you work some with with management from companies? Do you? I mean, who would who would be some people that you would say maybe historically work with? Uh, so primarily, right now, I'm working with individuals. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I'm primarily working with individuals to help them develop their self worth, their self esteem. So that they can be in a position to, the way I describe it, it's getting the driver's seat of their own life. Because right. often the people that I work with, they feel like they don't have a choice. So I'm helping them step up and realize that, you know what, you do have a choice. You are amazing so that they can achieve some great things in their lives. So when you started this, you said in 2015, 
2014, I did my certification. Okay. So, yeah, in 2014. Okay, and launched it. So what has been kind of the trajectory of, I mean, is it has it kind of met your the goals that you had in mind? Has it exceeded them? I mean, what would you, how would you describe the last few years as far as uh, from, from a business standpoint? Um. Well, it's really been a roller coaster for me. So when I first entrepreneurial journey, (laughs) it's always a journey. When I first started, when I first did my uh, life coaching certification, I was Mm -hmm. like, "Yep, I'm going to be a parent coach. I wanted to help parents become better parents." Um, You know, I did that for a little bit, and then I just really my biggest thing was trying to narrow down my niche. Yeah, yeah. And I'd always heard what's always been told to me is Kelly, your ideal client is you. And I just had to, you know, even more growth of myself and more personal development came clarity. I love, I mean, that's another thing I'd like to camp out on um, just a second before I kind of head to the next, next area that I'd really like to to drill down even deeper in, but um, your ideal client is you. Have you found that to be true? I mean, you said other people have told you that. Have you found that to be true? I have. So how do you go looking for you? (laughs) (laughs) Or does you find you, you, I guess? Yeah. Well, how I find myself, I guess, in that sense. (laughs) Like the way that's posed? Yeah, the question is posed. Um, Well, I'm creating content that uh, people like me can relate to. So creating content. Um, I have my own show as well. It's the Coffee and Confidence show. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just creating content and um, giving, putting value out there so that when people see it, hear it, read it, whatever, they can relate to it. And then it's just starting the conversation. So once you, once you kind of made the decision to go all in, was there somebody that, that you kind of followed maybe online that, that was really inspirational to you that was maybe further down the road in, in this particular space that, that, that maybe is online that other people might know that you would say, yeah, that, this person really inspired me kind of in my startup journey here? Uh, I, well, I had many... Um many different inspirations, like people that I looked up to. And there's some pretty big names, actually. Like when I, when I started in the very, very beginning, mm-hmm. I was all about Robin Sharma because mm-hmm. he's like all about like self-mastery. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I really took tidbits from so many different people. Sure. Um, That's probably pretty natural, though. You would, you yeah. would kind of, you know, evolve as, as things are going. You would, you would need different inspiration at different times for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I can't really say any one in particular, to be honest, Mm -hmm. but I've taken pieces from like Brene Brown, Mel Robbins, Tony Robbins uh, are some of my favorites. Even like Sadhguru is one of my favorites. Um, Yeah. There's so many different pieces. Certainly names that people would know. You know that, that as you mentioned. So, um, the the next question I want to ask you is: I'm, I'm a little afraid to because you know if you are a true empath, you're going to have a, a lot of answers to this question. But is there <laughs> is there a a life quote or you know a, a or is there a couple of quotes that that really are kind of a driver, or maybe you have a whole wall full of quotes that are you know, that that you can relate to. But is there one in particular that that really stands out? Um. 
Well, something that I say often, and I don't know whose quote it is, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, you are responsible for the way people treat you. Well, if you can't find anybody that said that, then maybe you can have, have uh, <laughs> editorial and copyright rights. That, so you're responsible for the way people treat you? Mm-hmm. Unpack that a little bit. Yes, I will gladly unpack a little bit. Because um, you can't change people, right? Uh-huh. You can only change the way that you react to them. And if somebody is treating you unfairly, and if you've you know gone through the steps of setting boundaries, communicating your boundaries, and doing your best to hold yourself accountable to your own boundaries, and you know others are still disrespectful, then you have a choice. Mm-hmm. Because it's obvious that that person doesn't respect you or the relationship enough to be respectful. So then you have a choice to either stay in that relationship or not. There's a, there, when you said that, it, re- it brought back an, a memory from... I don't know, 30, 35 years ago that when I was in university, I had a course uh, on communication and it was actually taught. Um, it was not a, it was a, it was not a Christian college that I went to, but this, this course happened to be taught by a retired preacher. But he, he said, he told this story of this Jewish man that would go to this newsstand every morning and he would buy a paper. And then the guy that ran the newsstand was really grumpy. And every day he would be grumpy. And this, this, you know, this old Jewish gentleman would be nice to this guy every day. And finally, the, another guy that would buy papers there frequently that had seen this exchange so often, he just asked him, he said, how can you be so nice to this guy that is so mean to you every day? Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, because I act, I do not react. And he said, another thing that said, and I'll never forget, he said, he said, it's attitude, not aptitude, that determines altitude. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, what a great point of just the whole idea. And it's just exactly what you were talking about, that the thing you can, you can control is how you react. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, yeah. he can't control how the guy was, was interacting with this man, but he could certainly control how he reacted to it. So yeah. it, when you said that, it, I, you know, this, you know, this story came to mind from 30 years ago and I'm thinking this, it was so, you know, apropos to, to exactly what you discussed there. So if, if you go back, say three or four years, I mean, I, you mentioned one thing about, you know, how you've kind of narrowed your, your niche or your focus, but is there anything else that, um, like one piece of, of advice that you would give yourself kind of pre-startup that you think would have been a game changer? You know, if you'd have known this four or five years ago, it would have made a, a whole lot of difference in, you know, in your business now. The advice that I would give to myself a few years ago would be to embrace sales and marketing. Because, you know, back then I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. I just want to coach people. Like, I just want to coach. <laughs> And I would resist and resist and resist the whole sales and marketing piece. And um, and another coach, I had read something that another coach had wrote. And that coach said that they um, only coach 20% of the time. And the other 80% is like sales, marketing. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I surrender. (laughs) You said, that's why they have all those clients. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this entrepreneurial journey, especially, you know, like in the beginning, it's, you're doing it all. Mm-hmm. For and sure. 
that's, that's part of it. And, you know, I was, I was really green when I started, like, I don't have a business <laughs> background. I just, I was just following my passion and I'm sure there's a lot of other entrepreneurs that, you know, do the same thing. Absolutely. They, yeah. they just want to do what they love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the sales and marketing will figure itself out. I'm just, I just want to go do what, do what, you know, <laughs> makes my heart sing. So, well, I, I, um, I've had to hold myself back on this because I know that, that uh, you're anxious to get into this next segment, which we, we really talk about, we really call the, the rising tide micro course segment. And you've even touched on it a couple of times, what I think you're going to, you're going to teach us, but I just want to get out of the way and, and let you be the professor and let you kind of share in your area of expertise. And you've got the microphone, take it away. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kevin. Um, so what I want to share with everybody is some assertiveness for startups. Assertiveness in business doesn't have necessarily have to be startups. Um, but the first thing that I want to share with everyone is it's really important to set boundaries and learn to say no right from the beginning. Because you know, if you're just starting up and you're really passionate about something, you know, you're going to want to get out there and you're going to want to share all of your knowledge with everybody that you know, and that's amazing. But what you could be at risk of doing is giving your services away for free. And then it doesn't become profitable. It becomes more of a, you know, a hobby and a passion. And if that's where you want to go, then that's great. But it's that you want to set yourself up to set some boundaries, um, you know, identify what you will do and what you won't do right from the beginning. Because if you start off, say, doing something that may not be serving you, maybe giving away your time or taking calls late at night that's taking away from family time, and if you set that precedent, then people are going to expect that. And then when you start to change it, there's going to be some resistance because, you know, you may hear things like, well, well, what do you mean you're not taking my call at nine o'clock at night? You always did before. And that could cause tension. So it's really important right from the start to set boundaries and learn to say no without feeling guilty. So that's the first thing that I want to share. The second thing that I want to share is know your worth. So with regards to potentially giving services away for free, right? Going back to my quote is that people will treat you the way that you allow them to treat you, right? It's like I was saying, you are responsible for the way people treat you. And you're also responsible for the way that you treat yourself, right? So knowing your worth is really important. And once you know your worth, others will too. They will respect your time, they will respect your payment schedule and uh, they will take you more seriously once you know your worth. And the third thing that I wanted to share with regards to assertiveness for startups is add value. And what do I mean by add value? So I'm going to give you some, some ways that you can add value with regards to assertiveness is don't be wishy-washy. I'm going to tell you what not to do, but I'm going to also tell you what to do is that when you are asked a question, assertively answer. Don't be indecisive about what you want to share. So what you can do is you can always leave the client or you know, 
customer, whatever, with the next steps, right? If you want them to come back, you're going to add value by giving them the next steps, right? And then you're going to book a meeting from a meeting. Um, you always want to give them a reason to come back. So that also sets you up as the expert. And when people are coming to you for a service, they are putting their trust in you to lead them in the right direction. And this is, I mean, it's, it's a fairly short period of time that you were talking, but there's, there's three really great points in that, in that, you know, that you just shared with us. I mean, so just assertiveness in business, whether it's a startup business or just business as a whole, just, I mean, so you set boundaries and learn to say no. I mean, what a, what a great way to kind of set the stage early and set expectations, you know, that, that uh, for your clients and, and for yourself as well. The second is know your worth. And I, I want to camp on that just for a second. How do you, how do you determine that? I mean, is it, it's, you know, my, my background, my, my college degree is in economics. So there's kind of like this idea of a price equilibrium, you know, what the market will bear, but how do you, how do you kind of determine, because it's more than just the price point, how do you determine your worth or value? Well, determining your worth comes from knowing yourself, mm -hmm. knowing your inner, like knowing your inner self with regards to, you know, your self-regard, your self-actualization and what you can actually offer. And um, when you have good self-worth, when you have done the inner work on yourself, People can sense that. Sure. So I'll give you an example. Um, I met with a potential client, this was months ago, and um, she says to me, oh, you must find it exhausting listening to everybody's problems all day. Like, how do you do it? You must, just, you must be drained all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's interesting you say that. <laughs> I'm like, well, no, I don't feel that. Actually, it's the opposite. I get a charge from helping others. And it's because I've already done my work. Mm. I know what I can offer and how I can help. And if I did not do my work, I would not be of great service to you if I were to take on all your problems. Yeah, it's a good word. Right? It's good so word. it's knowing your worth and knowing yourself and know what you can bring to the table because the more you know about yourself, the more you can handle. Mm. So your, your three points were, were setting boundaries, knowing your worth. And the third one I didn't mention was, was just make, making sure you add value and, mm -hmm. and kind of leave them with the idea that, that uh, you know, what are, what are the next steps? What are the action points that we're going to circle back on and, and to answer really decisively? I like that point as well, that kind of sub point under number three. So mm -hmm. this, is, this is good stuff. Yeah, I just want to add something to that, like with the whole wishy-washy, because I've mm -hmm. heard, you know, business owners in general, like the client will come and ask them, well, what should I do? And they're like, well, you know, you could do this or, well, there's that. And it doesn't, it, that, that's not assertive. That's more... Yeah that's more passive. Right. And you know, if they're asking, if the client is asking, then they're looking for an answer. Mm -hmm. So you can give your honest opinion or your honest experience of what has worked or what you would recommend. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. exude confidence if, if I'm asking my coach for answers and they're going, eh, you could do that or this or, you know, cause I mean, can you imagine a, a football coach, you know, the players coming to them and say, so what are we going to do coach? And he goes, well, you know, we could do this. We could do that. Or, 
you know, we'll, we'll try some things, throw some spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that's exactly that. That makes a lot of sense. So mm-hmm. um, I, I love the way that you kind of kind of captured that uh, just those three points. And I think it will be great value to and add to our our micro course rising tide micro course library. It, is there is there anything that we haven't touched on today that that uh, you want to add to here at the at the end as we're kind of wrapping up and and then I, I certainly want to let people know where the best place to find you but I want to give you the space if there's something I have not touched on. Just give me a moment. Yeah, take um, your time. This is yours. This is yeah. your space. Well. I don't think so. Not at this point. I can't, nothing is coming to me right now, but I really do believe that it is time for sensitive souls to step up and realize that, you know what, your big heart is a strength and the world needs it more than ever. So it's time to, you know, learn to communicate, learn to speak your truth and learn to communicate so that you can make waves in this world. See, I knew if I gave you space, there would be a, a value bomb you would end with. So there, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Kelly, where's the best place people can find you online? Um, I wanted to direct everyone to my website. So I'm www.mynamekellykerrigan.ca for Canada. Kerrigan.ca. All right. Well, I'll make sure that that is in the, in the show notes. And uh, once again, just thank you again for taking the time today. And it's great to to have all these, this cross border collaboration between a Yank and a, and a Canadian. And uh, we really appreciate you just taking the time this afternoon and, and uh, just leading us into the weekend with some great value. And Kelly, thank you for playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Have a great evening. Thank you.